This show is brought to you in part by the Rise Up, Stonewall, and the LGBTQ plus rights movement exhibit opening October 17th at the Illinois Holocaust Museum in Skokie. Find out more at ilholocaustmuseum.org. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Chicago Queer Now. I am Adam Rhodes, and I'm here with Taryn. How are you doing, Taryn? I'm good, Adam. How are you? I'm good. You've had a very difficult morning, Taryn. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, there was an emergency cat bath in the household, so Oof. we're recovering from that that trauma. <laughs> emotionally, physically, spiritually. That sounds like an emergency cat bath might be like that's kind of strikes fear into my heart. Yeah. Like that sounds yeah, really you, you have dogs. So I know like we've talked about you, you have to deal with like gross outside stuff, like dead animals Ugh. and stuff, but cats God. are just like gross on their own. And yeah, my cat got really poopy this morning. So we had to give him a bath and he did not like it. So no. Yeah. Um, Hibachi is just like disgusting. She's a beagle. So she like fucking can hunt and find like the grossest possible thing for her to try to eat. I've pulled genuinely like three dead squirrels from her mouth. So I, uh, yeah, she's like a monster sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> ew. Um, <laughs> God, I'm like grossing myself out. Um, <laughs> Don't think about it. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so, but we're going to have a better afternoon. Yeah, we're recovering. My cat is napping. I think he's going to pull through. So <laughs> he's going to pull through. Aw. Well, uh, thoughts and prayers to Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> thoughts and prayers to Kobe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a very lazy Friday in this household. Mm-hmm. All the dog, it's just me with the dogs today. And she, everyone's just chilling and asleep. Hibachi nice. was bugging me like three seconds ago. And then I think she understands that like when I put the headphones on, she's just like, oh yes, I will get no attention from you now. That's good. You've trained her well. It's, it's podcasting mm-hmm. time. <laughs> <laughs> I think Randy has trained her in that like, She's learned to go elsewhere for attention when I have my headphones yeah, on. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> right? I mean, as long as she's not bugging me. Yeah. Um, you'll probably hear, if you if she runs by, she'll probably hear, like, the tapping that her little feet make. Yeah. Oh, my God. You I, you heard that yesterday. Yeah, a little pitter-patter. She's like, God. She's a friend of mine used to call it mice with tap shoes. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh makes me think she's like dancing yeah like linda boucher oh <laughs> like, <laughs> um all right so we have a lot to talk about today taryn yeah specifically we're gonna talk about harry styles again which i have to say i'm surprised you want to dig into this because last time we talked about harry styles and you got a little feisty on twitter people were coming after you i mean famously harry styles and i are enemies <laughs> um he's your nemesis yeah harry styles might be my nemesis no um yeah i mean like last time i mentioned that like harry styles was queer baiting on twitter like genuinely like dozens of like 12 and 13 year olds were just like you don't know what you're talking about i saw the comments yeah there was one person i was scared for you Oh, I was, I honestly thought it was the funniest experience of my life. And it was like, I, people these, in that age group are mean, especially when they're, they're like, you know, to die for a Harry Styles. Oh my God. Literally one of them told me to kill myself. Um, <laughs> I was like, honestly, this is my favorite. I think like growing up, like 
not like I didn't like get bullied a ton in high and like growing up, but I like grew up with like a thick skin. Yeah. So like <laughs> my um I would have just like if I if these kids said to this to me in person, I would have just hit them with my person, kept walking. I don't know yeah. what you want from me, little kids. Like you're not gonna be like, ah yes, 12 year old, you are correct. Thank you for educating me. Don't tell me yeah. what queer mating is. Sit down. Yeah, what are you yeah. doing? Um, I just think of uh that John Mulaney bit where he's like that kind of age group of like young teenager just knows how to insult you in a way that hurts the most you know mm-hmm. like that they are just like scary you know an, an right. accurate insult right somebody um a, a local reporter was very very sweet and like reached out which is like are you okay and i was like <laughs> i was like oh i like muted that thread like hours ago hanny i have no idea what they're saying to me yeah like, but they did they tried to straight up like hack your account right they um it was it was just like the age old like oh forgot password like put in the username to see if it was like something if they could like guess something stupid yeah like oh i hate harry styles 69 uh <laughs> wait like, that's not your password <laughs> it actually is my password now <laughs> um but yeah i literally got like 20 of them and it was just like okay i don't know if any of you have heard of two-factor authentication because i obviously would get a text on my phone and it was like okay you tried to reset your password like put this code in and they're probably just like fuck like yeah like honey i've been on this internet like way longer than you have yeah i mean this is my like bane moment i was like i was born in the darkness right it was my very All right, so so explain the scenario, like why are we going to talk about this today? <laughs> um, no, I'm going to keep talking about my <laughs> terrifying Twitter. No, um, so Billy Porter um, had an interview recently where he essentially um, said that Harry Styles was getting an undue amount of attention for um dressing in like gender non-conforming ways mainly like wearing a dress and like dressing like in quote-unquote feminine clothing um when any specifically was saying when people like him him specifically uh have not been getting that attention up until like what like this year last year the past like couple years mm-hmm. um and so i think there are there's a lot to say about it frankly i think number one billy's completely right that like harry styles is not the face of like gender non-conformity right particularly as like somebody who's doing it like mid-career mm-hmm. you know it's like you know you like got famous as a boy band on like the x factor or like mary's got talent i don't fucking know um i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> um but then like you know you're like already rich and famous and then you start like experimenting in this as opposed to like it being like the core of your identity for people like billy who like right it is like a non-starter for their careers right um, and harry styles being a like cisgender presumably heterosexual mm-hmm. guy like, like he's he's kind of hinted that his sexuality is like fluid or like whatever and i know he is holding up pride flags at concerts and stuff, which I right. get is kind of where the like queer baiting argument comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, he's been, he's definitely been like intentionally vague being like, Oh, I don't think about it a lot, blah, 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 blah. but it's, I don't know. It like, it kind of feels like it's gone at least personally for me as like a non-binary person. Mm-hmm. It is like 
gone further than like, oh, you know, I'm just like keeping it to myself as opposed to just like, okay, you just like are enjoying the attention of it all. I don't know. It feels it feels very gross to me. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I mean, the music's good. The music's certainly lovely. Uh, sure. Watermelon Sugar is a bop. It's a bop, um, yeah. But like, I don't know, like the um, the ambiguity feels a little, not like, I don't know how to say it, but like, it just feels like a little um, off color to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially with like how many people um, struggle with like feeling safe, like talking about it. It feels like weird people are just like, oh, we want to like support you. We want to talk about it. And it's like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, but again, you know, like I, I'm, it's not like his job to come out to people. Um, sure. Yeah. No, like be I, kind of as private as you want to be about your dating life or whatever. But it's like, what right does he have to be like the face of kind of gender fluidity as like a cis person? You know, somebody who is not like boldly queer. Like, I feel like, you know, it feels weird for Harry Styles, who has not like, I mean, by like not saying he's queer, he's like still able to like retain his privilege and like being heterosexual. He's still white. He's still cisgender from what he has told like the world. Mm-hmm. So, a white cisgender straight person who just happens to wear a dress is not in any way in the same camp as a black queer person like Billy who has like faced like career ending consequences just for his humanity. So it just feels like very, um, I don't know. It just feels very, I mean, that's really on like Vogue and like people like that than Harry Right. I think, you know, he definitely has a hand in it. Um, I mean, sure. Like with his platform, I would certainly want him to be more vocal just about the fact that he is kind of reaping the benefits of people like Billy Porter and other like specifically black trans people who have paved the Mm -hmm. way. And like you said, just like risked like losing their jobs, risked violence. Like, you know, there are so Mm -hmm. many consequences to being a like black gender fluid person as opposed to uh like white cisgender one yeah definitely and um i think there was a i read a really great buzzfeed article that essentially said it was like the argument is not whether harry styles is like allowed to dress like this it's whether harry is getting like undue attention for doing it and like is the attention Harry getting for, you know, wearing like a pearl necklace or like a lace top or a dress on Vogue, the same attention a black queer person gets for doing it. And the answer is just fundamentally no. Like, you know, like black trans people are still being murdered in this country for like literally existing, Mm -hmm. but Harry Styles is on the cover of Vogue. So like it just, there is a disconnect there. And I think that's what people's biggest issue is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I'm definitely on Team Billy with this one. Yeah, I think people But we just, knew that. Right, right. People just get so caught up in, like, wanting a palatable kind of gateway to gender fluidity. And I think Harry Styles is that for a lot of people. But, mm-hmm. like, it just means that you ignore people like Billy Porter, like Lil Nas X, like Janelle Monae, like, who have been 
experimenting with this and just being themselves in a in a very authentic way as opposed to just I don't know kind of playing around like Harry Styles seems to be yeah totally um and like he's literally describing he's like oh it's like fun it's like playing dress up and it was like it's not dress up when like that's just how you like dress yeah and that's just how you are and it was like this is not like a costume I'm not like putting on a fairy costume and then being like we yay and then like taking it off like no right this is like I'm like going outside like this and like not walking red carpets and shit like that Ugh. yeah anyway. yeah Again, do you have any do you have any other kind of like like personal thoughts as someone who is like um kind of presumed to be male but experimenting with like like dresses and like more feminine things yeah totally I just know like you know I like still get fucking looks in Andersonville like in like the queer neighborhoods of this city so like Mm -hmm. there's just like no way that like Harry Styles and I like have the same experience with this at all whatsoever Mm -hmm. um again like kudos to Harry for like expressing uh himself how he wants but like again like not the future of non-binary fashion honey right it comes at no risk at all to him right truly um but yeah so um speaking of billy and the people who've like come before us uh and like people who've kind of paved the way um you were telling me about uh something you read in fun home right yeah so we're gonna pivot a little bit to talk about yeah queer guidance and queer mentorship Mm -hmm. um and i wanted to talk to you about Fun Home and Ring of Keys and this podcast, Nancy, which is a queer podcast and one of my favorite podcasts in general. Um, and so I, I really wanted to take the opportunity to bring it up on the show as well. Um, to kind of start from the beginning, Nancy is a podcast from WNYC Studios. It's hosted by Tobin Lowe and Kathy too. Um, they're not putting out new episodes anymore, but I highly recommend going back and, and listening through. Um, one of I their first after we get off this podcast yeah you should you would like it um one of the first episodes is from april of 2017 it's called i have i had no idea um mm-hmm. it's one of the most popular ones they put out and part of that is because of this discussion of like a ring of keys moment mm-hmm. um and that is a reference to the musical fun home which is about uh, Alison Bechtel, who's a queer cartoonist, also of the Bechtel test, if you know Mm. that. Ooh. Um, So in Fun Home, there's a song called Ring of Keys, and it's about when the main girl, Alison, is a child, and she sees this delivery woman who is super butch. She has short hair and, like, jeans and a big ring of keys at her hip, and she kind of has this moment where she's like, that is me like it's the kind of the first time that she sees someone else in the world who reflects like who she feels like and who she is and wants to be um and so that song ring of keys has kind of come into this just ring of keys moment as a phenomenon of like Mm -hmm. the moment when you see someone who's like a living embodiment of your identity um so I wanted to I wanted to bring that up and just ask you like have you had your own ring of keys moment? Um, like who are the people who have made you feel most kind of seen and most queer? Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's like one specific person I see as like the embodiment that like I 
like the embodiment of like who I wish I were, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I think it's like a bunch of people. I think it's people like Billy Porter. I think Lil Nas X. Um, there are like some really fabulous like queer artists that I follow that are just like very unabashedly themselves, like illustrators and everything. Um, so I think are you ready for um, a sappy moment? I think mm-hmm. like my like ring of keys moment is just like the different like possibilities there are of like being queer. It's like mm. just saying that there's like, oh, I could like literally do whatever I wanted and it'd be okay. Yeah. So like, I think that's more of, does that make any sense whatsoever? Yeah, no, just kind of like the idea that you can break any rules that you want to break. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Have you had a ring of keys moment? Um, There's not a specific person or like even celebrity that I can think of, Um, which I mean, honestly, there's a huge, a huge surprise as we've talked about there being just a lack of people, particularly in media, but also like in our own lives who are like outwardly queer and like mm-hmm. very similar to us in terms of like sexuality and gender expression. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I've lacked examples for a long time. And also I think I was kind of averse to people who were outwardly queer or like looked really butch like when I was Mm -hmm. younger, um, that has taken me a long time to get over and to kind of like unpack what was probably some like fear and like internalized homophobia about people who were very butch because I don't know, I think part of me was like, I relate to it, but also I don't want to. And I'm like scared of Mm -hmm. that. And I, like, I still don't really identify as butch, but I like present more that way now. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, um, no specific ring of keys moment, but I do want to shout out one of the people who has just been kind of something of a mentor to me as a queer person, even though she herself is not queer. Oh, wow. So I want to shout out uh, one of my college professors, Dr. Rachel Lieberman. Um, She is, yeah, she's married to a man, but just kind of presents in a more masculine way, like has short Mm -hmm. hair and like the way she dresses, has a slightly deeper voice and stuff. And I feel like that was one of the first examples I saw of just like, like a person who is like, I'm just doing me and it isn't necessarily tied to like my sexuality and you know, um, and Rachel and I, um, kind of grew to have like a good friendship and we're still in touch today. Um, but there was definitely a period of time in college where like she and my girlfriend, Monica were probably the two people I was most open with about like my sexuality and gender expression. Um, so I think, yeah, just like seeing her be herself and her being such a wonderful person has, been formative to my queer experience as well shout out to dr rachel <laughs> yes we love dr rachel um love dr. do you rachel. have do you have anyone else like that in your life who is like not necessarily queer but like a mentor to you yeah i think um you know our boss karen has like taught me a lot about like queer journalism um but i also have a, another mentor that i met at northwestern uh dr stephen thrasher um who has done a lot of like queer journalism speaks very openly and very unashamedly about his uh thoughts on like pretty much everything and I uh, just like really really admire him I 
uh, like really admire the reporting he does because he specializes on like HIV issues and like empire and like like privilege and like things like that and that's everything that I like to report on so um, he has been a very uh, fantastic mentor and friend to me since I even like while I was at Northwestern so he was great cool yeah so yeah I think it it says something that both of our kind of mentors were found in higher education and in like our pretty queer workplace if you if you don't have access to higher education and to a job where you can be just like kind of out and proud then you really have more limited options for someone who can guide you through being authentically queer Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um yeah, I think, like, even now, there are still, like, so many barriers to, like, just seeing, like, queer people thriving, mm-hmm. and it can feel, like, as a young queer person, that, like, it can still feel very scary. Yeah, um, and specifically so. the kind of generational divide there, where, like, I feel, I feel like I see a lot of queer people our age, specifically just, like, on the internet and stuff, but, yeah, having people of an older generation to also be guides and mentors um I think has been like a struggle that I know me and Monica have talked about that in our relationship about just not having like older queer women like moving through the world with us yeah definitely definitely I mean those are just all evergreen issues I think in like all parts of the queer community yeah for Um, sure all right so that kind of wraps up this discussion for this episode um but Coming up next, I am going to tell y'all about a wild story I worked on, and it's got like a queer, kinky angle, and I think it is perfect for this ooky spooky season. So stay tuned. I'm ready. Yay. Chicago Reader Podcasts are recorded on Sure Microphones. Born in Chicago, Sure has been bringing stories to life on stage and in the studio for nearly 100 years. Whether you're listening along or starting a project of your own, Sure makes extraordinary audio products you can rely on anywhere, anytime. Learn more at Sure.com. All right, everyone, welcome back to Chicago Queer and Now. If you're just tuning in, uh, you heard me rant about how much I hate Harry Styles, but pivoting to something, frankly, completely unrelated. I have um, a wild story to tell you, Taryn, and it is about a murder trial that just wrapped up here in Chicago. Ooh, fans of true crime, listen in. I was going to say, it's like, <laughs> when I told Randy I was covering a, a murder trial, he was like, oh, okay, so like, this is, you know, you've achieved your final form. This is a true um, crime podcast now, yeah. Right. Oh my God, Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm happy to make this a true kind podcast, Aaron. <laughs> um, but so, uh, you know, you and I are both very new to Chicago, so you might not have heard about this. But have you, does the, um, have you heard about like that Northwestern murder trial? I don't think so. Start from okay. the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in 2017, uh, I believe he was on the Gold Coast. Karen said that she lived there right around the time um, or l- lived uh, close by around the time. And there was a, they were a really, really brutal murder. Somebody was like stabbed like 78 times. Um, and his boyfriend and like a British national like went on the run mm. afterward. And it was very like, where are these people? Like, why is there a body in his apartment kind of deal. And so the boyfriend 
was the someone by the name of Wyndon Latham. And Wyndon Latham is this acclaimed microbiologist. Like he's an expert in the bubonic plague, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he were, he's formerly associated with Northwestern. Um, and so literally like this like fucking super genius scientist at Northwestern was accused along with the British national of stabbing um, the British national's name is Andrew Warren. Um, and they're both accused of stabbing Wyndon Latham's boyfriend, who is this 26 year old like cosmetologist named Trenton. Um, and it like made international headlines, especially because like, you know, they're on the run. It's like three queer people, brutal murder, like somebody from different country it was like so much going on. Um, people were like, really following the case like again they went on the run and were like appre- not apprehended they surrendered in california but wow. so like they like went on the run mama mm-hmm. um and so it was like you know had all of the makings of just like the latest salacious crime story that like grasped everyone attention and so um but when all of this was happening people were saying it was like oh it was part of like a sexual thrill kill like I saw that a couple of times in like headlines that it was like mm. part of like a sexual thrill killing um that like Wyndon Latham the microbiologist and Andrew Warren the UK citizen um had like met in like kink forums and were like had like a like sex fantasy to like murder people and then each other or just each other and it was like very confusing so like again we're just like playing up the drama right playing up like all of the craziness um and the trial was at the end it started at the end of september and so okay when did the actual murder happen 2017 okay um so you know just like a casual four-year wait Mm -hmm. um but yeah and so i read an article for the chicago reader um, not really following the trial, but following like the coverage of it and like kind of like mm. unpacking like prosecutor's statement because like truly from the fucking get go, people have like played up like, oh, is this like a threesome where they like sex fiends? Like, were they on oh. drugs? Blah, like all that shit. Like even yeah. reporters here in the city. Um, I mentioned this in the article, but like a reporter t- in the city tweeted out like, oh, it's hard to think of like a less like student safe trial than like because like there was like a high school tour like a high school group on the field trip it was like these are like high school these are like students whose like friends get shot by cpd and who like the war on drugs has like impacted their families and like the opioid crisis is going on and you know like i don't think we like to talk about like teenagers have sex yeah they're acutely aware of like sex drugs and like violence um, but of course it's like the potential like gay kinky orgy killing that's like not safe for children. Yeah. Um, so was there actual evidence at all that it was like sex related or did that just kind of come out of like the media sensationalizing it? It's a little confused. Like that's what's kind of up in the air. So, um, Wendon Latham, his defense attorney says that like, you know, he and Trenton did consensually engage in knife play, which is like a, a section or like a kink within BDSM where like people like get off on like knives, like for various things. And I talked Got to, it. I actually talked to like an expert. He's like personally been involved with it and like does like classes and seminars and shit about it. 
um for like 20 years and he was just like yeah this is like definitely like, n- nobody's like kink- knife play kink is like stabbing somebody 80 times like that's yeah, not like that's the evolution not what it's, about. <laughs> it's like no one just being like ah yes i'm gonna like jerk off and then like stab 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 stab, stab. like that's not how that works right um it's supposed to be fun for everybody first of all mm-hmm. um and you know it just like completely misrepresents like the reality of like what all of this is because like kink more than and like i've talked to like i talked to a like rape victim advocate who said like no like bdsm communities are actually like built on like really strong models of consent and boundaries and like everyone agreeing to everything and like harm reduction and stuff like that Um, yeah and so the defense of like you know they consensually engaged in knife play but that like the british national like that they were all in like a threesome and the British national got jealous and like stabbed the uh, boyfriend. But then, um, you know, the British nationals uh, who had pled guilty and was a witness for the state said that um, it was like part of like this weird, like fantasy that they had that like they were depressed and said that they were going to kill themselves. But then that microbiologist said, let's kill the boyfriend. Or like, it was just like ridiculous. And like prosecutors, Mm. I think like latched on a lot to like, the like sex orgy like knife play of it all and yeah. not like the actual reality that like this was probably just like a really brutal incident yeah I don't know Oof. I mean like I don't fucking know what happened but like um yeah I mean like both prosecutors the article I mean as the article states like both prosecutors and the media just like really conflated like the idea of like queer consensual queer non-monogamy to like like sexual psychopaths yeah so um i actually got the tip from former reader staff writer Maya dugmasova mm. yeah she um dm'd me which is like hey i don't know if you're aware of this trial but like people are being gross about it already it's like i am on this yeah <laughs> um so it was actually a really really fun article to write so that's good yeah for the tip. obviously very tragic but sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of interesting dynamics at play and like not to kind of speculate too much, but how do you think this would have been reported instead if it was like a heterosexual couple? I literally mentioned that in the article. Yeah. Um, that like, I think it's very hard to see that like it would be the same kind of like salacious. Like, was this like a sexy killing or just like, I think it would have been, um, yeah, I just, I don't think it would have gotten so overblown in the media. I don't mm-hmm. think it would have um, like, it would have been like kinky killing like like it would have just like i think like not been as like so salacious and like propaganda or like not propagandistic but like i don't think it would have been as salacious and um i don't think it would be as like such a big deal frankly if it were like any uh, two two men and a woman or two women and a man mm-hmm. it's been like oh crime of passion open and close blah 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 but i and i think an important point to hit is that like you know, this kind of like misrepresentation really impacts the victim as well. Because, you know, the second you say it was like, oh, well, it was just like a a, like weird, sexy killing. Like, of course it was gonna happen. It like, then you're saying like, well, of course this person was murdered and they deserved it. Like you're Mm -hmm. also like really doing a disservice to the person who was killed because you're saying that like, oh, if they engage in like this like kinky like knife play situation, which like, I guess in this person's mind like involves like stabbing um it's like oh you know they deserved it and you know you're probably gonna get hurt and it's your fault if you do so 
you know yeah not great yeah, so how did you i know you said you talked to kind of like a bdsm expert um mm -hmm. yes like i talked to the knife play expert and also the executive director of the leather museum here in the city okay yeah so how do you think it impacts like those communities like bdsm and kink communities to hear a story like this and kind of be told by the media like if you do stuff like this you're gonna die basically mm -hmm. yeah um, i think it, number one it like definitely prevents people from seeking out resources to like practice safely because there are absolutely safe ways to practice like all of this stuff and the knife play person said like you know there are practice there are safe ways to practice knife play mm -hmm. um and it number one impacts people's like ability to like find resources to do things safely um it like stigmatizes the like sexuality in general so people are like really reluctant to like find like community and resources that like will help them do things safely whether that's just like hooking up safely or like trying a little more some more extreme things safely but it also yeah. just like feels fucking gross yeah like it feels gross to be it's like sad yeah you just see it and you're just like oh um, the knife play expert that I spoke with is, uh, we just used the name Gene. Um, he said, he was like, you know, I usually see when I see that, I just like wince and move on. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, you're just super used to this. Yeah. Well, well, props to you for kind of putting energy into recording a heavy story like that, which is like you very much, I'm sure did it justice, but it, well, thank you. it can't be easy always to to be in that mindset as a reporter so yeah for sure but like what are y'all doing wrong yeah um you know that's why i like to write happy stories too i'm still working on that poppers essay i'm truly almost done oh we can't wait i'm almost done i am finishing up a book about poppers i've learned so so much so stay tuned for that friends it's coming out very soon good so do you want to do our queer picks gal yeah sure Okay, sweet. So, you know, we finish every episode the same. We talk about our qu favorite queer thing this week. And my favorite queer thing this week is brought to you by the conversation Taryn and I were having truly right before we started recording. Um, <laughs> I don't really, I forget what like made me think of this. Well, because um, Adam has a new mic set up uh, in their home office. And mm -hmm. so they kind of asked like, oh, like are the mic levels okay? And I said, yeah, as long as you don't lean in too much, because then it just sounds pretty just like husky and like low, you know? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yes, that was exactly. And so my, <laughs> my, <laughs> <laughs> my queer pick this week is um, husky jeans, because when Taryn said that, it completely brought me back to when I would have to like buy jeans from like the husky section as like a young, like, preteen we're just like here this is the fatty section um <laughs> shout out shout out to husky jeans yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know why but that was instrumental to my queer experience <laughs> that's a good one growing up with body image issues shout out <laughs> how about you taryn um my queer pick this time is handwritten letters i love a handwritten letter I always was pen pals with my aunt Karen growing up. And then like, while Monica and I were long distance, writing letters was a big part of our relationship. Um, so this is your reminder to send a, hand, a handwritten letter today, whether it's like a birthday card or just like a, a hi, hello to a family or friend because they're still super fun to get and to send, so. Wow, yours was like super nice and endearing. And mine was just like, shout out to when I was fat. <laughs> 
I mean, listen, we stand a Husky Jean. The Husky it, Jean's like, joke was too good to pass. Like, you had to say yeah, it. Yeah, stop it. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. The dogs are driving me insane. Leo has oh. the cone. Hibachi's her usual insane self. Lucy is just Lucy. So Sounds like a mess. It It's literally always a mess in this apartment. Um, all right. Well, with that, I have to go, like, corral the dogs and just see whatever the fuckery they're getting up to. Uh, so we will see you next week, friends. Don't forget to... Uh, like, like, subscribe, rate, all that stuff really helps us here on the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Chicago Here and Now is a podcast from the Chicago Reader, the city's independent bi-weekly alt-newspaper that's been keeping things free and freaky since 1971. The show is hosted by Adam Rhodes and Taryn Allen, produced by Brianna Wellen, and edited by Adam Rhodes. It features original theme music by Richard Brazil, voice work by me, Kirk Williamson, and show logos by Taryn Allen. Reach out to us at cqn at chicagoreader.com. Follow us on Twitter at Chicago Queer Now and support this podcast and the rest of the Chicago Reader team by going to chicagoreader.com slash donate.